Welcome out to the Bulls and the Bears. This is Aaron Warby. I am here with the incomparable Tarina Warby. Hello out there. How are y'all doing? Uh, for those of you joining us for the first time, Tarina and I are part of Online Trading Academy, the most trusted name in financial education and celebrating 25 years of service. All right. All right. Now, was that smooth? I was trying to do the radio thing. It was beautiful. It was it great. It, beautiful? <laughs> it was great. I said it was beautiful. I didn't say it, was, it wasn't. Yes, I know. All right. Well, we've got a lot to talk about during the podcast today. All right. Um, specifically, we had a Federal Reserve announcement. Mm-hmm. All right. And I want to talk about that, but also a little message for Father's Day. Probably something we should have done last week, but better late than never. Yes. Because there's something about Father's Day that I think is very important, and that is legacy. And I want to talk about the legacy that we leave our posterity. Okay. All right. In a couple of different ways. Anyway, Federal Reserve Chairman Powell testifies on Capitol Hill. Everybody was expecting the markets to go nuts. And they did. Well. Well, I don't know. They went nowhere. They went nowhere. Yeah. But they kind of. Yeah. But while he was talking, it was kind of going. Yeah, it was, it was it jumping was, around. There was some sentiment there that was jumping around where you're like, where the heck is this going? And then it just kind of stayed there. The real movement was actually seen in gold and silver. Mm, That is an indicator then. It it was, yes. And and it was a great trade if you were anywhere close to that. Okay. (laughs) Um, In fact, it it spiked up and then everybody realized that the market wasn't going anywhere. And so it dropped right back down. You had, and for a good trader that can play both the long position, meaning that it's going to go up and the short uh-huh. position, meaning it's going to go down and you're, you can capture uh, profit either way, then it was just a beautiful textbook type, uh, you know. Moment. <laughs> well, it was. Yeah, we, we would call it, um, we, we, because of the way that the chart looks when, when that happens, mm-hmm. all right, we call it an Eiffel Tower. So it uh, races up, hits a point, races right yeah. back down. Um, and that gives you the opportunity to play it up really strong. It goes mm-hmm. long. So you have much less risk to your re- reward right? when you're looking at something right. like and that. Right, and if you're doing that in the futures market, it's fine. Yes. And then same thing on the way back down. As it drops, again, you can shorter, you can, you can uh, put in a really tight stop, have a lot less risk for, the, for as far down as it's going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got a lot of room to just, well, to stuff money in your pocket if you know what you're doing. If you know what you're doing or to make a great trade. To make a great trade. And there were those that did and there were a lot that, that probably missed out on it. All right. Or, and I'm not going to tell you who's who. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay then. <laughs> Anyways, but you were, yeah, it was, there were some really good things in some places. I really liked um, one, one of our students who, who's been happy with his education, happy with his results. He was like, I don't trade when Colin Powell... Not Even Colin Powell. S- not Colin Powell. Dang Jerome it. Jerome Powell. Jerome Powell. Yes. I always say the wrong name. Anyways, whenever <laughs> General Jerome... Colin, Colin Powell, Powell hasn't spoken for several years. Nor does he want to. So, Well, uh, he's actually not around anymore. So. Oh, is... Oh. <laughs> really? Yeah, I guess so. Anyways, that means that he was a good guy. Anyways, uh, Jerome Powell. He's like, I don't trade when Jerome Powell is speaking because I don't know what... He's like the sentiment. Everybody just kind of goes wish-washy and it's hard to see where the zones are and, and trade it and so he's just like when he talks he just messes up the markets for a little bit and it, i mean the markets weren't like doing much but it was just enough to like wipe out some zones and and to see some supply and demand and he was just like i'm i'm just not trading it and yeah i was well, like that's cool and and the thing is is that when when sentiment takes over right mm-hmm. so the zones are created by a much more predictable lot mm-hmm. than 
than the common person. Mm-hmm. All right. The, the zones are created by big money mm-hmm. and big money is very predictable. Mm-hmm. So if you understand how to follow big money, how to see where the big money is, mm-hmm. uh, then they're they're very predictable in where they're getting get 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 in and where they're going to get out. Mm-hmm. Now, when Jerome Powell speaks, the big money has already done their thing. They're like, I'm they, kind yeah. of done with this day, they, or they know what he's about to say, and they're like, yeah. mm, they have a pretty good idea of we'll how it's going to go. We'll set up a trap, anyway. or we'll we'll do something, right? But those who aren't in big money kind of. Yeah. So when the announcement actually comes, what you see is a whole bunch of emotion. Emotion Mm -hmm. has never been predictable. Now, traders and especially professionals love predictability Mm -hmm. and despise uh, when things get very unpredictable. Yeah. All right. Unpredictability is is impossible to handle. You never know which way it's going or what it's going to do. And so it's it's really hard to use effectively. (laughs) I was thinking when you're like unpredictability is hard to handle. I'm like, it's like a crazy woman, a woman who's going hormonal, All right, everybody. going hormonal. But I'm a woman and I can say that. Yes. When I go hormonal, sometimes I'm like, I don't even know why I'm like so angry or upset. I just, I just right. don't know. And then I, then I calm down and I'm like, oh, yes. it's my hormones. I don't know. So everybody listening, notice that it, was, it wasn't the deeper voice that said anything about crazy women. <laughs> <laughs> It's all right. I'm not that bad, but there's just moments where I'm like, why, why am I so sad? No, I'm upset. I'm like, wait. Oh, okay. You know, so when you said it, cause like, you're like, it's hard to handle sometimes. I was like, oh, I think you said that once to me. <laughs> Your emotions are hard to handle today. Anyway, sorry. Okay. I anyway, digress. The thing is, is that, is that Jerome Powell didn't say anything that he hadn't already said. And I mean, it wasn't he was new. talking to Congress. Yeah. yeah. He was talking to Congress and everything that he told them, he had already said in his speech right after holding steady the rates. I know. <laughs> so zero surprises. Right? I know. Sometimes I'm like, this is a waste of everybody's time. He's coming to Congress to talk to him. They're televising it, sending everybody into a frenzy. Right. And I'm all congressman you're just wasting everybody's tax dollars you're wasting everybody's time he said it why does he have to come and tell you well because the economy you're affecting the economy and it's like but you guys don't even understand what he's saying and he already said it so let's just get on with business business that really makes a difference yeah you know i mean i'm like if you want like a one-on-one with him call him into your office talk to him oh i guess that has to be monitored well, too but i mean i yeah. mean just the but then the politicians wouldn't get any face time on tv yeah but this it's is... like they already know this they should know this and then they say things that are just like dumb like like they don't even understand the economy or something and he's and i'm all just to just to look like they have a heart and compassion, which is yes. to get revoted in. I don't yeah. know that. There's my diatribe. It's pandering. That's, I'm having a lot of diatribes <laughs> today, but like, I mean, I just felt like it was kind of a waste of a time for him to come into Congress and testify before Congress when he said it last week. Yes. Well, so I was in <laughs> class, uh, you know, when, while Powell was speaking, mm-hmm. and the students there saw, you know, the index run up and hit a supply zone and immediately retreat from it, and since he was the news and there was no real mm-hmm. nothing else that was coming out of this meeting you know he was simply re, uh, saying the mm-hmm. same thing at least the students in class you know were saying well, why the movement if if nothing else is happening then why the movement now yeah. it did more or less act predictably because it shot up into the supply zone and then dropped out very very predictable yeah right? well one of your students came up to me and goes yeah 
I was practicing last night and I put it in a paper train and I shorted something. And he was like, man, it came out and really well. And his <laughs> eyes just got really big and I was all, well, good for you. I'm glad you did that. He's That's like, right. and, and, and he, and all week he's been in class and he's been like, I don't know. <laughs> was a lot. He's like, I'm starting to get it, but he just kind of, and once he was like, I'm kind of lost. He just this sat. is the one that's going to be coming back to the other class. Um, um yeah, in, in July. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, and he and he was like, I just kind of sat back and I was like, this is over my head, and then all of a sudden he started absorbing stuff. I'm like, you're getting it. I can there see. It. And he's like, yeah. And so when he told me about that short, I was super happy for him. And he was like, and he was like, I see that. And he goes, and then I did another one. And, and it, it worked. worked. <laughs> and then he, I can't tell you what, how much he like made on his paper trade or anything over here, but he was very, very happy with the paper trade. And I was like, well, good. I'm glad you, you see the movement because you know, the first thing is, is not to stress out, but to be able to see the movement, see where the price action is and where you need to get in and get out. And so yeah. it was, for me, it was, it was just a moment because I was so worried about him yeah. this week. And he's like, I, I just don't, this is way over my head and I've got to go back to the basics class and then come back into this class and he's like oh now i see the vision i'm like yeah Yeah. i mean and and if you understand stops and you understand targets and things like that then then you feel you feel more confident in the markets it doesn't mean that things can't go against you and can't go against fast but that's usually really i mean but that's why you have stops that's why you that's why you don't leave your computer when you're trading futures or you know what i mean and that's why if you're if you're trading stock markets, that's why you're yeah. monitoring your trades. And you and know stuff. what? You can't go wrong with getting back to the basics. Yeah, so you can never go wrong. So he's doing exactly the right thing anyway. And I had another student call out today and they're like, oh, I'm not doing great and da, da, da. And, and, you know, I said, well, she's like, I need to come in for a basics class again. You yeah. know, our core class. And I was like, I think that would be an excellent idea for you to come in. Well, and, and, and the thing and is. And going is, back to basics, if you're not, if you're not falling. And then I talked to someone and they're like, oh. Yeah, Sometimes that person follow, follow the rules, the rules. <laughs> and, you know, and I thought, okay, and maybe she was this time. I have no idea, but I was like, let's get back to basics. Let's get back onto the rules. That's right. That's following right. the trading rules that you've established for yourself. So important. So yes. important. Yeah. So important. So anybody listening to this and especially students, um, you know, the basics are everything. Mm-hmm. Stick to the basics. And, and when you find yourself struggling, Go back to the basics and make sure you're doing it right. Yeah. And if you're wondering, hey, you know what? You've taken that core class or you've taken, you know, one of our other classes. Come back and take it again. It's yours for free. Well, it's yours to retake all the time. Retake for free. That's exactly right. Once you've taken it once, it's yours. Go ahead and and retake it. Come back in. We want to help you. That's right. We want to make sure you got the basics and you're not missing something. Okay, so the news that the world was watching was Jerome Powell. Yes. Which was uneventful and not worth watching. All right, because mostly it was politicians talking and Jerome saying the same thing he already said the first time. Mm -hmm. Right? And what Jerome was saying was important. What the politicians were saying, not as important in my Mm -hmm. mind. Mm -hmm. Okay. The bigger but less widely published news was Janet Yellen, who is the Treasury Secretary, right? Yeah, that one. I read that and I was like, like (laughs) Right. So she's talking about the world's currency and she moderated her her comments saying that the greenback was still dominant currency, but warned that, you know, that, uh, that even though 58% of all world transactions are transacted in U S dollars, dollars, um, 
the higher inflation for longer is is causing not not only the high inflation but also the fact that we're going yes. more digital means that the US dollar is is decreasing in, in use worldwide. Yes. yes. And so and that it, makes us that that is a nerve that is something to be nervous about because yes. as it decreases in use what happens is those US dollars that've been hold, held overseas flood the market for transactions starts coming back trickling mm-hmm. back in the United States which is going to further impede us in our inflation fight. So it will increase inflation. It will increase saying. inflation. Yes, so it's it another thing that Jerome storm. Powell has to deal with. Mhm. And maybe he should have been a general. He would have been better at sticking to the rules. Right? Well, I think he's just like, oh my gosh, it's like any economist's worst nightmare. You oh, know, yeah. I don't know. You know, he's just like, and it's all in, in the history books. Yes. Like if I mean, I hope, I hope he's able to modulate it and do, do great things. Well, but I think like when you have to fix everybody else's mistakes, it always goes down to well, you yeah, but and people don't remi- remember you fondly. Yes, I, I think that, you know, and, and I would like to say, so there, there was some things that you would say, all right, this, this is his, him cleaning things up for mm-hmm. somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, because certainly Ben Bernanke, mm-hmm. you know, the, the uh, chairman before him mm-hmm. started printing money back in 2009 yeah. and kept printing money. But Jerome Powell took over um, and and he kept printing money. So well, he didn't I mean, we stop have to it. look at we have to look at the things that were going on. I mean, you had COVID. You had people. No, no, who weren't working. he was in before COVID. Oh, okay. He was in before all of that. He continued the trend of trying to support the stock market by printing money. Yeah. So it's not like he's got clean hands here. Well. Yeah. So I don't know if he's cleaning up other people's messes or his own mess, but it's a mess. I so, and it's going to continue being a mess for a while. Yeah, and he, yeah, and I, yeah. I think he will only raise the rates. Like he's really trying to be very gentle in it. I no, mean, he is. He is, and it, it's really fun to watch because he uses words. He he talks about recession, but he'll never use the word recession. Oh no. Yes, we think that we're going to have a, a soft landing or a hard landing. Yeah. Code for hey guys, recession. It's, and, and if I don't get it under control, it's going to be bad. Yes, you know? that's and a hard so, landing. Yeah, and I mean, he was talking to uh, some congresswoman. Anyways, I don't want to. I don't well, want to name any names. I'm not going to say anything. Well, I'm going to name a think, name here. I didn't think they really understood what he was trying to say, or they were showing. They were saying, "Look at me. I I'm really <laughs> big hearted and stuff." And it was like, "Yeah, but I don't." I mean. Economics well, is kind of hard to understand, but everybody in her generation, at least for my recollection, were required to take economics. So yes, they should understand. Yes. She should understand what's going on. Well, and unfortunately, you know, when you're dealing with money, sometimes we tend to try and be soft hearted. But when it comes down yeah. to it, if we really knew what we were doing, we'd notice that we were being soft headed. Right. Uh, because mm-hmm. being kind now means more pain later. So who are you being kind to? Yeah. It, right. Sometimes just taking the brunt up front is softer than taking it in the long run. Yeah. Uh, right now, we don't have a choice. We're going to take it in the long run. Yeah. So it's it is what it is. It's our kids. And yeah. And JP Morgan was talking about this. JP Morgan was questioned on why they have backed off in investing in the markets. Mm-hmm. They backed off their market action for the, you know, to a large degree. And here's their reply. They said, while the economy's recent resilience may be del- 
may delay the onset of a recession, we believe that most of the la- most of the lagged effects of the past year's monetary tightening mm-hmm. have yet to be felt, and ultimately a recession will likely be necessary to return inflate to to return inflation to target. And this was, you know, a, a group of strategists led by uh-huh. Marco Col- Colon- Kolonovic. Okay, yeah. my eyes just crossed. Can you explain what that is? Oh, okay, so basically <laughs> what he's saying is, is, look, the monetary tightening with um, the, the rate raises, mm-hmm. um, that, has, that has obviously hurt the economy here because now the banks can't loan out money. Anybody that has had a credit card has watched the rates go up quickly, yeah. right? Um, anybody that has tried to buy a house recently and has looked at, you know, the difference between getting a mortgage at, at two and a half percent vice uh, six and a half percent or seven percent, yeah. you know, sees that this is hurting some of the transactions throughout the United States. Oh, definitely. And what he's saying is, is that there's been strength. People keep spending, yeah. whether they should spend or not. They keep spending, and they're going further into debt in their credit cards while spending. And that has delayed what everybody expected the rate raises to do, which yeah. was to put us into recession. Yeah. All right. Um, well, because a recession is a pullback in the amount of money that we spend. And, and when we stop spending money, then businesses start hurting. Yeah. Right. Now, we've already seen that in where people are spending money. Mm-hmm. For instance, Walmart is doing much better than Target. Target. Oh, yeah. Target does fewer groceries than Walmart. And so people run to the grocery no, 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 section no. of Walmart. It ain't nothing about their groceries. It ain't you know, nothing about so. that. It's about their prices. Target oh, well. is always about, it's about a 10% higher yeah. or two, one to $2 higher than Walmart yeah. always. And so if people are like, my pocketbook is hurting. <laughs> Then they're like, I love Target yeah. more than I love Walmart, but I can't afford it, so I'm going <laughs> over to Walmart. It doesn't have anything to do with well, more groceries. I, I saw, a and funny I meme. never shop at Wal- at Target for groceries <laughs> because I'm all unless like I'm in a neighborhood where I'm like I don't know where the nearest Walmart is or the nearest Aldi's or something because yeah. or Costco. I'll go there and I'll buy minimal amount because I'm like, holy crap. That's expensive. <laughs> and and I mean, and I was just talking to my mom about it. And she's like, it's not just, and my mom has lived yeah. through that, For anybody that hasn't caught this, Tarina loves to save money. <laughs> she, my mom's <laughs> like, I've been through a lot of inflations, you know. And she's like, this one is taking the cake. Because she's like, it's not just going up like once or twice. It's like triple, you know, quadruple. She's all, yeah. and it's just not stopping. I'm like, mom, it's not stopping. It's not going to stop. You're going to see interest rates. You know, and I hope it doesn't go back to the 90s where a good interest rate was 16% on your house. That's the 80s. It was the late it was, 80s, it, early 90s, because she told me that's what she spent mm-hmm. on her brand new house. Yeah. Highest was 1983. Yeah. Oh, well. By the history books. Well, I don't know. Maybe she d- doesn't remember what she was paying. Maybe I don't remember the thing, but I just remember her being like, we couldn't believe we got into this house. And yeah. it was like, and the reason why they, they had, it was because they had so many kids uh-huh. that they qualified for something. And the builder had bumped into the basement and it created a crack, but they sealed the crack. And so they're like, crap, 
we have to give this house away because like we can't i don't know like or, we, it, or tear out the basement or tear out the right? basement i don't know they didn't give it away i mean they got a good deal but but you know it and they were just my parents are so grateful to get this brand new house where they could throw all their kids in there and you know only <laughs> now you know they had it comes from a family of, of how many children nine children, nine children and so yes. she so she they were just so grateful to get in there and they did well like it increased in rate and it was a beautiful house and no there wasn't any leaks in the basement or anything like that it was sealed off well it was a it was a very safe house but yes. i just remember her talking about it and i was like really is it that bad and now as an adult i understand interest rates i understand what that is on a mortgage and i'm yeah i'm, I'm going are we going to get back to 16 percent like they were in the early 80s and she even talks about in the late 60s in the early 70s they saved every single penny to put a down payment on a home and they got the worst home in the neighborhood <laughs> and were scrubbing out in the 70s and that set them up to be able to buy this nicer house in the 90s <laughs> And then that helped them later on in their retirement. Anyways, long story short is I don't think the interest rate, I think the interest rates are going to keep going up even into next year. Yes. Well, and, th- and this is hurting business. And so we were it talking about the difference businesses. between Walmart and Target. Oh, yeah. Right. Walmart's and how that giddy. The effect of that. Yeah. Right. So as people are willing to spend less, they go to places where they perceive that they're going to spend, spend less. less. Yeah. And by the way, I saw a beautiful meme about uh, Walmart and Target and the difference between the two. <laughs> um, and, and it showed this woman and, and she opens the door and comes in. And It wasn't a meme. It was a little video. It was, yeah, yeah. Some little, little video anyway. something. Uh, she comes in and she's got her hair in curlers. She's in a bathrobe, you know, no makeup on. She's got like sweatpants on. on. She looks, you know, like we all do yeah. when we go to Target. And, and she <laughs> and she looks at her kids or she looks at her husband or somebody and, and she says, Walmart was out of milk or something like Walmart's that. Walmart's right? out of what I needed. And yeah. they're like, why? You know, the kid said, why are you home? She's like, Walmart's out of what I needed. You yeah. know, and then and then it shows her like 15, 20 minutes later. And they're like, well, later. where are you going? Yeah. She's like, I got to get dressed. <laughs> I got <laughs> to get, get dressed ready. up because I've got to go to Target. Target. <laughs> <laughs> she comes back out like what, like 15 minutes. Like, I mean, sometime later, it says. And she looks phenomenal. She is dressed <laughs> and she looks great and ready. <laughs> and I was like, that is so true. Like if I show up like I do, uh, like on a Saturday with no makeup on and I'm in my like, you know, my shorts or whatever, my T-shirt. Mm-hmm. At, and I go to Target looking like that. I feel so like I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be shopping or anything. Like I like to look nice when I go to Target. She yeah. she called it. She called it right. Now I'm a typical man, and I I never I would have you never wouldn't. picked up on that. Yeah, because the expectations on you guys. Yeah, yeah. We have makeup. You're not doing your hair. No expectations for men. You guys, you, you guys wouldn't even pluck your nose hairs for that to go there. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like you guys would be like, whatever. It's just that. Yeah. Anyway, so um, I wanted to go through this, and now I want to do a little piece um, based on Father's Day. Okay. So uh, we recently had Father's Day, and at Father's Day, that's time for me to reflect on what kind of father I am. And what I'm passing on to my children. Yeah, I don't think it affects you. Like, it affects me. Like, Mother's oh, okay. Day, I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to improve so much. I'm a terrible <laughs> mom. And I talk to all the moms and they're like, I just feel like I need to improve, right? And then, like, I see you and you're like, I'm going to go take a nap. Like, job done well. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I right. don't know. Hey, <laughs> the kids aren't dead yet. We're good. We're good, yeah. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Anyway, so um, I once heard this uh, this thing from Paul Harvey. If everybody's heard Paul Harvey, now if you if you know who Paul Harvey is and the rest of the story, then you're old. 
I'm not gonna I'm not gonna soft shoe this. All right. <laughs> well, and and if you looked forward to it, you're old. I loved I love Paul, Paul Hardy. Hardy. <laughs> I loved him. And when he would come on in 60 minutes, right? It was 60 yes. minutes. I just be like, well, I can't it wait. was on the radio. Oh, was and it, it was 2020? Kind of, yeah. Well, he did the radio and 60 minutes. He would do it. You can you can see like his old things. Right. I can't remember which one it was. But I just loved it. I was like, this is going to be good, you know, because yeah. you just heard about like how the world is terrible and someone got cheated and all these kind of things. And then Paul Harvey comes on. And then on. Paul Harvey yeah. comes on and you're like, and yet there's hope for us. That's right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> the human. Yes. Yes. Hum- humans should not be all just mass murdered and saved Okay. 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 I hate no, love. Yeah. yeah love Paul Harvey. Anyway. Love him. Anyways. Okay. So uh, this this comes from Paul Harvey. Now, obviously, um, you know, I'm going to kind of re- I'm, I'm going to put this story into my own uh, words so that I'm not uh, using any copyrighted material because I don't even know if it's copyrighted or anything, but yeah. I, I don't want to take the chance. But I'm going to try and do the rest of the story. OK, so Paul Har- Harvey in this segment or in this uh, particular episode that I heard many, many years ago yeah. um, told two stories. Mm hmm. I'm, I'm going to try and tell both of them, okay? Mm-hmm. All right, so the first story is of a young attorney named Edward who became connected with, with a crime boss, Al Capone, in 1927. The two were first involved in the legal sport of dog racing. The lawyer became one of Capone's favorite colleagues and, represent, and represented members of the Capone mob for crimes including murder, gambling, prostitution. Known within the the mob as Easy Eddie, Edward's shrewd legal mind enabled him to rig trials, bribe juries, and pay off law enforcement officers. The skill at legal maneuvering kept Big Al out of jail for a long time. To show his appreciation, Capone always handsomely rewarded Easy Eddie. Apart from his life of crime, Easy Eddie doted on his family. His three children, a son and two daughters, were his delight, and at some point, Easy Eddie decided that he owed his children more than just material and financial advantages um, that came from his, from his life of crime. All right, now I grew up in Chicago, and by the way, Easy Eddie, his home covered an entire city block. What? In Chicago. Oh, I didn't know that. Back in the twenties, you know, but so they've torn it down by now. But anyway, yeah, it was it was an entire. He he was well off, and his children wanted for nothing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he wanted to provide uh, them with a good education, and despite his own involvement in organized crime, Eddie tried to teach his children right from wrong, but he realized that he could not provide them with a good example and a name of which they could be proud unless he changed his ways. Wanting to give his children an example of integrity, Edward made a difficult decision. In an attempt to rectify the wrongs that he had done, he became a witness for the prosecution and testified against Capone and other members of the mob. As a result, Capone was sentenced to 11 years in prison on charges of income tax evasion. On November 8, 1939, while driving in the Cicero section of Chicago, a lonely street, Eddie was gunned down when a mobster pulled up beside him and opened fire with a machine gun. Eddie died instantly. This is a true story with a sad ending. Okay. All right. Next story. Second story. Mm -hmm. Okay. This involves a graduate from the United States Naval Academy in Annapolis, Maryland, immediately after the bombing of Pearl Harbor on December 7th, 1941, when the United States entered World War II. This 28-year-old lieutenant became a pilot and was assigned to the aircraft carrier, the USS Lexington, deployed in the South Pacific. 
Known to his colleagues as Butch, this pilot of a a single-engine fighter plane and his entire squadron were sent on a mission on February 20th, 1942. Once airborne, Butch looked at his fuel gauge and realized that the crew on the aircraft carrier had neglected to fill his tank. His commander ordered him to return to the carrier, accompanied by a wingman. Reluctantly, Butch dropped out of formation and headed back uh, to the fleet. As the two planes made their way back to the carrier, they saw a squadron of Japanese bombers flying toward the Lexington. The enemy was only about four minutes away uh, from their intended target. Butch and his wingman decided to attack, but the guns on the second plane were jammed. Butch, his fighter um, plane, low on fuel, was the only defense between the Japanese bomber and more than 2,000 men who remained aboard the USS Lexington. The daring pilot flew at the enemy. Wing-mounted 50 caliber guns blazed as he charged, attacking one surprised Japanese bomber and then another. He flew underneath one plane, blasting the fuel tanks and, and causing it to explode, peeled off, and attacked another from above. Butch moved, or wove in and out of the now broken formation and fired at as many planes as possible until all his ammunition was spent. Undaunted, he continued to assault. He dove at the planes, trying to clip a wing or a tail of, and of damaging as many enemy planes as possible and rendering them unfit to fly. In a matter of minutes, he had destroyed five of the nine bombers. The pilots aboard the Lexington were able to take off after Butch had destroyed the bombers. The pilots shot down three more bombers. The ninth Japanese plane crashed at sea. Butch flew his damaged fighter back to the carrier. Film from the gun camera, which was mounted on the plane, told a tale of heroic action. The lieutenant became the Navy's first ace pilot of World War II. He was promoted to lieutenant commander and awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor. President Franklin D. Roosevelt delivered to him a personal commendation. One year later, in another air fight, the courageous pilot died when his plane was shot down by enemy fire. Revered in his hometown of Chicago, Butch O'Hara remembered as a hero, was, um, had the O'Hara International Airport named for him. Butch's memorial is located between Terminals 1 and 2, and there you can find a statue of the courageous pilot and a display of his Medal of Honor. So how are these stories connected? Butch O'Hara was Eddie Easy's beloved son. Eddie O'Hara. <laughs> Would have been proud of his son and his good name. He would have. All right. So his dad made made these sacrifices, and he showed him what what it is to yes be the best. Yes, I I now, laughed because my husband got a little emotional. I was a little emotional at this because I love yeah. this story. This is one of my favorite stories. <laughs> but like he tears up. My husband never tears up. <laughs> and well, I'm like even heroes, you know. You know yeah, I'm a marine, I mean, for like, heaven's sake. He never tears up, and there have been some emotional moments. Where it's rarely that he tears up, but he always tears up at this story. So it just kind of made me laugh. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Anyway, so I, I read that because I think that we all owe our children a legacy. Now, one of the things that is is typically passed on, if you look at the history books, if you look at society, one of the things that is typically passed on is our money habits. Mm-hmm. All right. And so um, as I read that and reviewed it on Father's Day, I thought, what money habits am I handing down to my children? Mm-hmm. All right. And one of the beautiful things about trading is and investing is, is this is something that is meant to be passed down 
from generation to generation. It is. And what do the wealthy teach their children? Well, they teach them the importance of investing and and how money actually and works. And preparing for the future and That's exactly and being right. frugal. You know, I, I actually have the unique opportunity to um to be able to be like a nanny or au pair or pair for some families that were you know were well off. Who yes, they were yeah. affluent. And it it was a wonderful experience. And I watched two families and there was one family that has passed on their generational wealth and it they really taught their children how to be um how to be wise with their money and how to earn and i was really impressed by that um the other family was they were learning how to do that but this one family i was really impressed with that and i just thought their children will always be okay because they have taught them those lessons and and one of one of their aunts i was talking to she was like you know the vanderbilts Mm -hmm. they they set up these trusts where you either get money for a house or you get money for education and that's it that's all your inheritance is and you have to choose between those two and i mean that's what she told me i i mean haven't googled it for sure you know (laughs) but i thought that was really an important thing is that they valued you know two assets your education and a home yes and so they so they were trying to set them up they weren't saying hey we're going to pay for everything for the rest of your life which doesn't work it's easy money and it doesn't work at least but they were saying you have to you need to work for what you get you need Mm -hmm. to be educated and and you look at like you know the the microsoft people and stuff and sure anyways i just think that's really interesting is teaching them them how to invest and how to invest in their future yes and to be patient with that that's right yeah and so you know as i looked at this i i went and i um i looked online and and there was an article that caught my eye back from uh october 12 2020 and it it, the title was what do we give our children is your parents attitude to money limiting your success all right well the wealthy in this article teach their children about money and it, it becomes generational And so here are the five core principles of money as is taught by the wealthy, according to this article. Number one, time has value. Mm -hmm. All right. And in investing, there is time, the time value of both time in market and timing of the market. Both of them have value and you need to understand both. Okay. Mm -hmm. You can get along with one or the other. You're never going to be as good if you've got, if you don't have both. All right, number two, risk and perceived risk requires compensation. All right, now, professional traders and professional investors don't like risk, but they love perceived risk. All right, if, yeah. they, can, if they can make a situation not risky to them where other people are at risk, then there's a lot of perceived risk, and that always means the best opportunity for profit. But you right. need to understand how to how to control the risk or eliminate the risk that other people have. Yes. All right. And Warren Buffett said, risk is not knowing what you're doing. Yeah. So how does Warren Buffett stay profitable uh, to stay a profitable investor and trader for 65 years in an environment described by most as extremely risky? What he does is control his risk. Yes, he does. All right. Well, I thought it was really interesting. Last week he was speaking to some some kind of trading conference and mm-hmm. some somebody was asking some questions and and they're saying well how do you know what companies to buy and stuff and he goes i know within five minutes of looking at them 
if I'm going to buy or not. He's like, there's just things that I look for. And, and he was talking to his, his, his buddy who also was doing it. And they all kind of, their voices are sounding a little old now. And they're like, yeah, we know in five minutes. And I think really it's about educating yourself and what to look for and what to see. That's exactly right. Yeah. And so, to be cautious, you know, you should be cautious, but, you know, optimistically, I guess. Yeah. Some people think that investing, you know, if you're going to be good at what you do, then you're going to be knee deep in all kinds of numbers and you're, and you're going to, uh, you know, pour over the Wall Street Journal or the, you know, it used to be the Wall Street Journal, but now the data online, something mm-hmm. like that. No, the, the truth is, is just like Warren Buffett said, there are indicators as to, you know, what's going to, what, what the probable outcome of this particular company is going to be or this particular asset. And you need to learn how to very quickly sweet out the ones that aren't going to be good and find the assets that are going to be good. Mm-hmm. All right. And so if you understand what indicators are there and what they mean, then the process becomes much less um, mysterious. Mm-hmm. All right. Number four, markets determine prices and allocation of resources. So don't do what the market... Now, here's my advice. All right. If the market is, is determining the price, then you can't go along with the general market. If the general market is saying, hey, we love this thing, and, and uh, therefore we're going to push the price higher, and you are going along with that, well, then guess what? You're, not, you're just doing the average stuff, yeah. and you're going to get hurt with the rest of the market. All right, You have to be on board with something that's good before everybody else realizes what's going on. Yeah. You have to be out of it before everybody realizes that it's not good anymore. Right. Right. Okay. When people get greedy, you need to be fearful. And when people are fearful, you need to get greedy. That's exactly right. All right. Number five, stability improves welfare. At least that's what somebody said. Some famous guy. Warren Buffett? I don't (laughs) know. Well, this was in the article. So yes. All right. So in the article, it said, teach them how to design a... A trading strategy. Well, actually, this is me now. Teach them how to design a trading strategy that allows a person to lose up to 80% of the time and still be a profitable trader. That's what I teach in my three-hour class, okay? Mm-hmm. There, there are actual functions, mathematical functions, that apply to the probability states in the, um, you know, in the markets. But then if you're wrong and all of the probabilities are wrong, you still want to be able to walk away um, you know, without a whole bunch of loss. And if you set it up right, then you can do that. And if you want to learn how to do that, hey, I teach a class for free, guys. Just come into my class, all right? All right, number six, the market rewards self-development. Well, you teach people the introduction to the class. Like... Well, yes, but what I'm saying is is that during that three hours, I actually go over the principles of that lose 80 percent and still be profitable thing oh right? okay, okay. That, that's what i'm talking about will you be ready so for is, trading no no you you won't you be won't. ready to trade when you leave the class sorry i just this i was like oh class. i can do this in three hours i'm like Mm-mm, no <laughs> i see lots of people coming into our like seven yep. day classes walking on going i got a lot more study i'm like yeah. all right eventually you'll get it but you know yep. you got to be ready but the market not rewards, that it's hard it's just you, the things that you're looking for in the in the risk reward. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So number six, the market rewards <clears throat> self development, meaning that if you are like Buffett and have learned how to very quickly spot the indicators, mm-hmm. then you can move on something very quickly that is at a, is at a great price that is likely right. to go higher. Right. If you haven't developed that, then you're guessing and you are going to not be rewarded but punished 
for your ignorance. Well, and you also have to be very disciplined. You can't just be like willy-nilly about, oh, yeah, I see it. Well, okay, wait, where's your stop? Where's your target? Where's where's your entry point and stuff? And you need to be disciplined in that. And when you hit a stop loss or when you've had three failing trades in a day, if that's what you set up as your rule, Mm -hmm. you need to stop trading that day. Yeah. You know, and get out of your trades and be like, okay, I've had, I've hit what, what I'm willing to lose for the day. Like if you have a puke factor of $200. A puke factor. <laughs> yeah. It's one of the, a one of our instructors yeah. says, he's like, I have a puke factor, you know, a puke limit. <clears throat> this is how much when I want to puke after I've lost enough money. If that's what you get to, you have to stop and you have to immediately pull yourself out of the trade. That's exactly right. All right. So in honor of Father's Day, I just <clears throat> want to remind all of our students you know, that uh, with these classes, I always allow people to bring a guest. And I invite you, when you take the classes, bring a guest and make it one of your children. Yeah. Let this be generational learning, okay? Definitely. Because investing and trading should be just that, generational generational learning and 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 help create that generational well financial well-being. If your okay? child can get on target, you know, at 21 when they come out of college and they're ready... Yep to start working and take some time with investing like man that could be a whole generational change yep all right well thank you for joining us today and i hope you got something out of it um and for those of you and i know that there's a couple of you listening that just love paul harvey i hope that you enjoyed that little tribute <laughs> yeah okay and that the story kind of made sense um if you would like to take some of our classes like to learn a little bit more about this we're easy to find like i as i said we have some free classes three-hour classes they're worth taking and it's it's worth it for you okay you can get a hold of us in a couple of different ways if you're in the phoenix area you can just give us a call or or text us all right our text uh number is 25029 and you can just text the word income and we'll respond back and find a class that's appropriate for you. You can call us at 884-48-TRADER. That's 844-887-2337. Or you can simply go online to www.tradingacademy.com. And especially if you're not in the Phoenix area, go to www.tradingacademy.com and uh, go to register. And there will either be a class, a local in-person class, convenient to you or there will be an online class that you can you can attend but either way uh, visit us learn to uh, learn to to invest in trade and that's my message to you this week we'll see you next week all right see you.